0: Welcome to SOAS Radio. We are pleased to welcome Dr. Olamid Samuel for this very first conversation about the SCRAP project. The acronym SCRAP stands for Strategic Concept of Removal of Arms and Proliferation. This campaign promotes a strong message for complete and global disarmament. Dr. Samuel, who is the project coordinator, is also specialized in international security studies. Dr. Samuel. Can you tell us a bit more about what does disarmament mean to you?
1: Uh, So, thank you very much, John, for having me. Um, So, what disarmament means to me? um, That was the question. So, in general, um, when people talk about disarmament, it usually means the scrapping or getting rid of a certain class or category of weapons. However, when Scrap talks about disarmament, we're actually talking about a a much more um, comprehensive concept. And so we're talking about the concept of general and complete disarmament, which literally means um, that we encourage governments to engage in military cuts in terms of spending and to engage in the reduction of acquisition of offensive capabilities basically means um, that we encourage governments to not necessarily buy every weapon that's on the market for the sake of having, you know, more stockpiles than their adversaries or friends um, and really just pursue armaments to the minimum required for the provision of national security. Now, whatever that minimum is, it's usually up to the government to decide. Um, but a reasonable acquisition of capabilities to be able to reasonably defend one's country is what we mean by disarmament.
0: Sounds indeed like a very meaningful project. Can you tell us a bit more about how this came to fruition uh, with SCRAP? So with SCRAP, it was a very interesting
1: story um dan plesh who's the director of the scrap project overall had a chapter in a book in 2014 that just talked about the concept of general and complete disarmament and the student cohort at that time picked up on this chapter and said wait a minute we can do something with this idea and so initially it was a very student-led movement to see how we could operationalize the concept of general and complete disarmament and that's pretty much how it began students you know put in their efforts to develop a draft text um, which eventually became the draft treaty the draft scrap treaty students engaged in advocacy um, students engaged in social media campaigns and pretty much developed scrap to where we have it today and so it was a it's been a you know, series of sustained efforts by students, especially at the CISD, the Centre of International Studies and Diplomacy at SOAS, that have
0: created SCRAP and have kept it going. Can you tell us also a bit more about how can we actually bring back disarmament uh, to the public debate? Disarmament so, is something that
1: has kind of fallen out of favour um, in the public debate because in the past decade or so we've seen much more focus being given to counter Terrorism, for example, the securitization of migration, for example, um, and all sorts of issues—we um, we view them in security lens that necessitates the acquisition of offensive military capabilities. But the argument, um, I believe, has been brought back and is still being brought back actively um, by various international organizations and civil society, because at the end of the day, it is hard to divorce security from development. It's hard to also divorce disarmament from the from development because, considering the one point two, probably one point four annual trillion dollar market in arms, um, and the waste of resources and offensive military capabilities that we're so used to in the world today, you know, much of these resources, if disarmament was pursued, general and complete disarmament, would be freed up for. Development initiatives will be freed up for poverty alleviation initiatives. And so, because of that realization, we've had partners like Oxfam, for example, we've had UNIDIR, we've also had the UN Secretary General Guterres actively state that perhaps we have spent Way too much on military capability, and if we instead pursued confidence and security building measures among states, then we'd have a lot of resources that are freed up for development and for poverty alleviation schemes around the world. And so, I think that is the realization that would continue to keep disarmament in the current um,
0: debate. Thank you very much for this clear overview. As a whole, the scrap project seems Obviously, very meaningful and important uh, regarding the current state of uh, world politics. But can you tell us a bit more about what are the actual big plans of the Scrap Project going forward? Okay.
1: Um, well, we actually got a, we have a lot of big plans going forward. Um, as I said before, Scrap started out as a student-led initiative, and so. Over the years, we've had ebbs and flows in terms of, you know, um, scrap activity. Um, but in the past year, we've, we seem to have gained a lot of momentum, and we hope to project this momentum going forward. So roughly speaking, um, we have big plans for advocacy and big plans for research going forward. And advocacy, we can break that down into, you know, Two parts. So we have the nuclear and weapons of mass destruction advocacy stream on the one hand, and we have the conventional weapons advocacy um, plan on the other hand. And so when it comes to nuclear and WMD, um, we're actively seeking to get the scrap treaty, which we developed over the years, introduced into the mpt review process now the mpt is the non-proliferation treaty which was um agreed on in the late 1960s and every five years they have a review process um where they basically look at the provisions of the treaties and new developments um and create working plans um going forward and so next year we have the mpt review conference 2020, and that should be taking place in New York. And so, we aim to get the scrap treaty introduced into this um, process. And so, in that regard, we're working with a number of states that I can't name yet because diplomats love their anonymity. Um, but, we're working with a, a, a few states to get the scrap treaty introduced as a working document in order to rekindle um, something called a Decalogue within the MBT. So the Decalogue is essentially just a permanent agenda um, that the MBT deliberates on. And amongst some of the provisions of this Decalogue, we have um, nuclear weapons and the control of nuclear weapons. Um, We have control of conventional weapons. We also have the reduction of military budgets, reduction of armed forces, disarmament and development and collateral measures such as confidence and security building measures. These are separate items on the Decalogue. And so we're focusing mostly on the control of nuclear weapons and WMD and on the collateral measures such as confidence and security building measures within the MPT. Now, in terms of the other advocacy stream, which is the conventional stream, um, we were present at the fifth Conference of State Parties to the Arms Trade Treaty in Geneva in August. And from our participation in this um, conference, we were able to begin our engagement with capacity building. So the Scrap Project is taking a step from just speaking about um, ways in which we can ensure disarmament to actually doing something about it. And so, in terms of the the Arms Trade Treaty Capacity Building Project, we're working with a big state in Africa, which I'm not going to name just yet, um, on a six-month-long project um, to deal with how we can better manage their weapons stockpiles, their small arms and light weapons stockpiles. And so there'll be a lot of physical security stockpile management going on. There'll also be a lot of institutional capacity building going on where we train the trainers, on how to better manage stockpiles, but also how to prevent illegal diversion of weapons from the illicit market to the illicit market, um, and a ton of other things um, underneath. So really, Scrap is gonna be very busy this year coming forward, and you're gonna be seeing us both on the nuclear and WMD front, but also on the conventional weapons front.
0: One of the current most problematic and jeopardizing factor for any sort of lasting and serious disarmament appears to be the U.S. isolationism. What could be the scrap stance on this point? So
1: U.S. isolationism has actually been a bane of disarmament efforts overall. And that's just because of the significance of the U.S. in both conventional and nuclear weapons politics. So in terms of conventional, the U.S. is the by far the largest exporter of small arms, light weapons, um, and conventional weapons overall. And so the U.S. stepping away from the Arms Trade Treaty, for example, means that the biggest exporter of arms isn't bound to the same export controls as the next five, um, you know, the next four largest arms exporters. And so it's... It serves as a way to undermine efforts in the conventional um, weapons control space. In terms of nuclear and weapons of mass destruction, the US is also a significant actor. Seeing that it has the second largest stockpiles of nuclear weapons in the world, um, it would be helpful if President Trump didn't step away from the INF Treaty and if there was some positive um, if there was some hope in the continuation of the New START um, Treaty or agreement going forward. And so, yes the US isolationism has been a challenge, but at the end of the day I think that the existence of universal Legally binding treaties such as the Arms Trade Treaty, such as the TPNW, which is a Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, and even the NPT Treaty, which I spoke earlier about, means that. To some extent, we can still be able to regulate um, the arms trade in terms of conventional weapons, and we can still be able to name and shame um, nuclear weapon states um, when we look at the TPNW treaty. Because what that treaty has essentially done is enable non-nuclear weapon states to take a moral and legal stance against the very existence of nuclear weapons, and so isolationism from the U.S. is a problem, but I think that um, we still have
0: much more to be optimistic about in the weapons control space. Dr. Samuel, one final question for you. Could you share with us one personal anecdote explaining why did you decide to get personally involved in disarmament?
1: Hmm, a personal anecdote. Maybe I don't have the Kanye punchlines, where I can kind of explain why I got involved in disarmament. Um, So, you you probably had the opportunity to look me up, and the one question most people ask is, how old is this guy? This guy seems relatively young. And truth is, yes, I'm I'm rather young to be in the disarmament space, I'm not 30, so I can leave you guys guessing for how old I actually am. But... (laughs) If you look at all the other spheres of international relations um, and the spaces within which young people have been able to gain a voice, um, more recently in spaces like climate change or, you know, educational cultural exchange programs, these spaces are where young people's voices have been listened to. But the flip side of that is that young people's voices have been you know, constrained to a limited number of issues that we can talk about. And the assignment sphere has been one of those is- those issues where young people aren't adequately represented, partly because it requires a lot of expertise um, to be able to have a valid stance in the assignment space, but also because. Um, as a result of the lack of expertise that young people have we're just not represented and so we're beginning to find our voice and I decided to go into the disarmament space because interestingly enough I do have expertise in disarmament and international security overall and I still represent the voice of young people and so that's why I go into disarmament because I thought I could make an actual difference here um, and represent young people in the disarmament space and we've begun to see positive movement and since that last week on Friday, um, we got wind of a, of a resolution that was passed in the UN General Assembly, um, which actually aims for young people to have a meaningful impact in disarmament affairs. And so I welcome this development because now I can get my folks and my colleagues um much more involved in this issue where we've been silent or silenced from. And so in terms of a personal anecdote, maybe my Kaya punchline is the UN should expect to see a lot more Air Jordans and converses in the UN General Assembly First Committee going forward. Dr. Samuel, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, John.